Dale Benwald. And I'm Nuria Martinez-Keel. You're listening to The Source. Thanks for joining us as we discuss the Oklahomans' most impactful stories with the reporters who wrote them. Oklahoma City's Paycom Center opened 20 years ago and has been home to the OKC Thunder for almost 15. As the team reaches the end of its contract to play in the building, the Oklahomans' Steve Lackmire covers the prospect of a new arena and its impact on city spending. Thanks for joining us. We know from your reporting that the Thunder organization is pausing the major improvement project, Thunder Alley, and the city is pausing some maps for spending while the two sides hammer out a deal on a new arena. Can you describe these projects and was it a surprise to hear that they're on hold? Yeah, no. So... I've been tracking the lease negotiations, and I was a little bit surprised that nothing had been signed as of this spring. At the same time, I could not really figure out what was going on with Thunder Alley, and I was hearing from uh, management at the arena that they were putting the uh, expansion of the building on hold. And this was all before uh, last week's announcement by the mayor. We are not in some junior version of the NBA. We are in the same league with teams who play in billion-dollar arenas, and we have non-NBA cities checking our pulse every morning. So I knew that something was in play, and that there could be a change in plans with the maps for uh, expansion of the existing arena. What we're looking at is an arena that was never built for the NBA. I mean, from day one, they never expected to get the NBA. They actually weren't so sure they could even get an NHL team. Our arena was not planned with the NBA in mind. And at 586,000 square feet, Paycom Center ranks dead last out of all NBA arenas in total square footage. So that's the first issue. It's been upgraded. We've spent over $100 million on upgrades but it's still pretty low-key for an NBA arena. It doesn't have all the bells and whistles, all the premium amenities. It doesn't have much of what's expected with an NBA arena in today's market. So that having been said, it's not a total shock. Steve, the mayor's reasoning for building this new arena seems to be to keep pace with other franchises in other cities. You know, like you mentioned, all the bells and whistles that other NBA arenas have. To me, it almost seems like kind of keeping up with the Joneses more than anything really being wrong with Paycom Center. So is there anything really wrong with the Paycom Center and how much of a desire is there among the populace of Oklahoma City to replace it? I think the best comparison I can give you to explain this is the evolution of movie theaters. So once upon a time, we were all thrilled with just having a single screen theater. Then they went to two screen theaters. Then there was four screen theaters. Uh, They started to add some video games to the theater. Then they went with 20 screen theaters. Well, there's nothing wrong with the 20 screen theater, is there? Well, now we want a bar with the theater. We want a brewery. We want more of an experience where you can actually have uh, seating with little laptop trays where you can have a full meal with servers coming to your chair. That's the evolution of the theater business model. So was there anything wrong with that single screen theater? Not necessarily. Was there anything wrong with the four screen theater? Not necessarily. For a matter of fact, uh, 
until recently, they were making some very nice discount theaters. But they're not what we expect in 2022. The demand from the audience, the demand from the industry overall, is for a much bigger entertainment package that goes with the NBA product. And this is part of their revenue stream. So when the Thunder were looking at building Thunder Alley, the original idea was this could be extra revenue for them in terms of having a restaurant, maybe a bar, gift shop, and a little basketball court for patrons to uh, use you know, before and after games. They put that on hold because they've decided that instead of spending all this money expanding Paycom Center, it might be better to see if we need to build a new arena. So what's wrong with Paycom Center? It does not have the entertainment complex that's going along with a lot of these uh, new arenas. It doesn't have all the bells and whistles. It is bare bones. We got it at an extreme discount. For a matter of fact, when Flinko bid for the project back in the uh, late 90s, they actually had a math error, and we got it for under $90 million. Back then, that was a steal. The American Airlines Center in Dallas was far more expensive. So we, we've been on borrowed time, as Barry Trammell pointed out, for quite a while. So why is it not working? It is not seen as sustaining the business model in the future. That's the honest truth. It won't, it doesn't have all the bells and whistles. It doesn't have the entertainment center. It is a four screen theater at a time when we expect larger theaters with breweries and bars and restaurants and other entertainment that goes along with it. Steve, I I think you bring up a really interesting analogy there with the movie theater concept, um, because on the one hand, you know, in the theater business, there's obviously multiple theaters across one city. So the the competition maybe is a little bit different there where people can go a mile away and maybe find better amenities. But you also raise an interesting thought about some of the leverage that other professional sports franchises have over the cities that they operate in, which is we could pick up and go somewhere else. And if you don't want to build us a new arena with publicly funded money, maybe we go and and seek out greener pastures. And so I'm just curious, Steve, if you might want to weigh in on that. Um, I know Thunder owner Clay Bennett, he's a hometown guy. So I think maybe there are people who question whether the Thunder would really threaten a move. But, you know, is that a, a piece of leverage that the franchise might put their thumb down on? I don't know that it will get to that level of discussion. I sometimes wonder if this is more of an effort to ensure that a different ownership group couldn't come in and force this hand. Everyone is mortal. Everyone is here today, gone tomorrow. So with Clay Bennett and the ownership group, but especially Clay, um, he's had some health challenges over the years. Thank God it's You know, he's been able to come out of it okay. But if I were a local owner of this team, I would want to make sure that the legacy doesn't escape us after I'm gone. If you look at some of the new arenas that have been built in the last few years, some of them are coming with 30-year leases with the team. That's a very nice stable thing to have in aspiring to remain a major league city to have the MBA that can outlast much of the local ownership group you can't discount that there's a value in a 30-year lease for an MBA team 
So instead of it being a matter of, well, you got to build this forest or else, there could be a factor here of making sure that after the current ownership is gone, that that doesn't happen and that you have owners who are less motivated to keep the team in Oklahoma City. And Steve, it's pretty much a foregone conclusion that this thing is going to cost hundreds of millions of dollars, if not over a billion dollars. So who's going to end up paying for this? I'm not sure we're looking at a situation where it's going to cost over a billion dollars. First of all, let's put aside the new arena in San Francisco, some of the other tier one city arenas because expectations in San Francisco and what they're able to pull off are very different than a Milwaukee in Oklahoma City or Detroit. And I like looking at Milwaukee and Detroit. I think those are the most recent examples we can use in looking at costs. So let's look at that first. So Little Caesars Arena, it included just a gamut of visual displays, an outdoor plaza, kind of like Thunder Alley, something called gondola seating to get some fans closer to the action. It comes with an attached parking garage with 1,100 spaces, 40,000 square feet of retail space. We're talking about a lot of entertainment center that went with Little Caesars Arena, and it came in at around 627 million. Now the Milwaukee Fair Serve uh, form, that came in at 1.2 billion. So that also has a lot of entertainment complex as well. I've not been able to determine if it included a parking garage and all that, but when we break it down, I don't know that we're going to need to build a new garage. If it gets built where the Cox Center is, then the 1100 space garage we just built next to the convention center works fine. There, we have ample parking, and that's one of the advantages of building it at the old Cox Center site, is you've got the hotels, you've got shops and restaurants, you have a lot of the infrastructure that these other cities are having to build from scratch. So that having been said, where will the money come from? Well, sometimes these cities get money from the state to help pay the cost. I do not see that happening. I could be wrong, but... In this political environment, I just don't see how that happens. So we're looking at probably some sort of MAPS tax to pay that much money. Uh, we're probably looking at a tax that would extend over five or six years. Now, they could go through a gamut of other uh, financing options. They can go with revenue bonds and take on some debt, but that obviously increases the cost. Will there be some private participation? The Thunder was going to build Thunder Alley all on their own, so that's a possibility. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if Paycom got involved as well. So there could be a private portion of funding on this as well, but uh, let's not kid ourselves. We're looking at a serious choice on... Uh, increasing our tax or at least extending the MAPS 4 tax once it's done. So just keying off of that, Steve, MAPS 4 or any MAPS package cannot be changed unless it comes back to a citywide vote. So do you foresee that potentially happening? And if so, how do city residents respond to this, do you think? 
Well, that's not correct. Something that has been true since uh, the end of MAPS 1 is the Supreme Court, state Supreme Court, ruled against log rolling. So, which means bundling up a lot of projects at once on the ballot. So on the ensuing ballots, if you read them, it doesn't list out the projects. It just has a general description of capital improvements, etc. It's a piece of paper. Five council votes can change how to spend that money. And by the way, they've done that before. Uh, Maps 3, they chose to cancel out a grandstand and windscreening from the river as part of the river package. It happens. If the council wanted to redirect $70 million from the Paycom Center budget to building a new arena, they could do that. Now that doesn't get you all the way by any means, but it might soften the blow a little bit of a new tax question that would need to go to voters. So all it takes is five council votes, and and that must have been what I was thinking of was it would have to come back for a vote, not by the city, but by the members of the city council. However, if you were to appropriate a significantly greater amount than the $70 million dedicated to Paycom Arena enhancements, do city residents get to weigh in on this at all? There is almost no chance that this city council or any I can foresee taking money from other projects on that uh, MAPS 4 ballot to go to a new arena. I do not see that happening. But again, if they wanted to tap MAPS 4 for $600 million of what's been uh, collected to build a new arena, well, technically five votes could do it. They could redirect the money, but it's not going to happen. There's no way that's not being talked about. It's just not going to happen. We're looking at a vote of the people to build a new arena if there's new funding required to build a new arena. But redirecting maps for beyond that 70 million that was already allocated to Paycom Center, politically, there's just no way. You look at Joe Beth Hammond, James Cooper, Nikki Nice, that's not going to happen. And the more conservative members like Bradley Carter and David Greenwell, that's not going to happen. It's kind of like talking about building an arena on Memorial Road or relocating the Thunder to Tulsa for two years and we could just rebuild build on the current site. Why you can talk about that all you want, but it's just not going to happen. So touching on where this new arena could go, you did a whole story looking at some of the likeliest locations, and I think you zeroed in on one that is probably the most likely. So let's start there. Can you take us through the list of locations you looked at, starting with the Cox Convention Center, or what used to be the Cox Convention Center, which you said is maybe the most likely landing spot? Yes, it's big enough. It is far bigger than the Paycom Arena site. So it has plenty of land on which you could build an arena and an ancillary entertainment uh, venue. The building is old. I mean, it's it opened in 1971, so it's already 50 years old. And it was badly built. There's no one who disputes that these days. The roof is badly designed. They had to spend a lot of money fixing things on that building just to keep it standing. And that's why we saw money spent on it as part of MAPS, the original one, and yet they ended up building a whole new one as part of MAPS 3. Do we really want to spend millions keeping it standing in the future? Of course not. It's got a tenant right now, and uh, this is a difficult question to figure out, but... 
Prairie Surf Studios is going gangbusters and using the whole building. It's a huge success. They've got Sylvester Stallone's Tulsa King series shooting there. They've got a lot of uh, smaller films shooting there. Uh, it's just, it's a huge success. But when the lease was done with Prairie Surf for the old Cox Center, it was understood. This was going to be a temporary arrangement. They did a five-year lease. So it was understood that this was for a while they were building building up the studio and getting it started. Maybe they'd hope they could go 10 years. I think they could probably get another few years out of it. I don't see construction of a new arena starting in any way until we're probably looking at no earlier than 2026. So they've got a few more years in which they could probably operate there, and that certainly would give them a chance to work with the city on coming up with a new permanent home. But that's the only real drawback of that site. It's huge. It would work perfectly. It is within walking distance of the new uh, parking garage next to the convention center. It's got great traffic egress. It's got Reno. It's near Oklahoma City Boulevard. It's on E.K. Gaylord. There's lots of different ways to get to and from that site. It is also within walking distance of some of our best hotels. Uh, certainly the Omni. It's uh, just got everything you would want. It's within good proximity to Bricktown. I can't see any drawbacks. And plus, the city owns the land. So while demolition of the the uh, current site, that'll cost some money. But overall, it's far preferable to own the land instead of trying to figure out how to buy the land. And we're not talking about cheap land. Some of this land goes for $100 million or more nearby. Uh, the Cotton Co-op site uh, that used to be, uh, that's south of uh, Harkins Theater in Lower Bricktown. They started off asking for $120 million for that land. And... Maybe they've dropped it somewhat, but it's still very pricey. You're looking at a similar situation with the old Fred Jones Ford dealership site, the parking lots that are between Scissortail Park and Mary Gardens. That's very pricey dirt. They originally wanted to build a new convention center there and had to abandon it when they came to an impasse with the owners over price. We could look at the Strawberry Fields area, but there's a lot of different owners there. They've got very inflated uh, purchase prices out there already. Plus, it's far away from a lot of what we're talking about. It is a pretty long walk to the structured parking. There's really no entertainment or restaurants over there. It really isn't that great a spot for an arena. Could it be built there? Maybe, but it's really not a good spot. So that brings us back to the Cox Convention site. It really is ideal. And that's assuming that it has to be downtown, right? I mean, they're not looking at other parts of the city. The mayor has said that as long as he's mayor, it will be built downtown. The arena and the presence of Major League Sports in our city is vitally important in general, but I think specifically it also has brought so much life to our downtown. We certainly want to preserve that no matter what the future holds. I believe the team is of the same thinking. The advantage of being downtown is, first of all, it's off of I-35, off of I-40, off of I-44, meaning you can get good regional access, which does play a role in the fan base. It's more than Oklahoma City residents. I've known people who live in Altus who are season ticket holders. And yeah, 
There's a difference in travel between going downtown and going to Memorial Road. Plus, there is the imagery, there's the excitement, the vibe. These days, people want stadiums and arenas in downtown areas. It just has a lot more going for it. It plays into the business model. And I suspect the team wants to be downtown too. Gotcha. Well, Steve, thank you so much for taking us through what is a big, big piece of news for our city. Um, A lot of people have been talking about it since the mayor announced the prospect at the State of the City last week. So thank you so much for joining us today. And to our listeners, thanks for joining us this week. This podcast is possible because of the Oklahoman subscribers. We encourage you to subscribe if you can. You can read these stories and more every day in the Oklahoman and at oklahoman.com. Check back next Friday for a new episode.